Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, if you're listening live right now, look out the window to the east. You'll see just an absolutely beautiful sunrise starting to kind of uh, disseminate right now. But nevertheless, it was absolutely beautiful. show is brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Uh, They take care of us, and they do a great job. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Sarah Kozak. She's the acting development director for the Community Pregnancy Clinics. They've got a big event coming up, and they do great work. We'll also visit with Ian Vasquez. He's with the Cato Institute, and he's uh, one of the co-authors of the Human Freedom Index. Very interesting uh, report that comes out for, I think, the last six years. And Victoria Nastasi is the reason with the Reason Foundation. We're talking about JMI's report calling for market-based reform to improve nursing home care. Big focus, about 43% of the people that have died with COVID-19 uh, have been in nursing homes. We need to figure out how to... Uh, uh, make sure that they're a good place for people to be. After all, we send a lot of our aging population there one way or another. It is January the 15th, and on this day in 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. was born in Atlanta, Georgia, the son of a Baptist minister. He received a doctorate degree in theology and in 1955 helped organize the first major protest of African-American civil rights movement, the successful Montgomery bus boycott, influenced by Mahatma Gandhi, he advocated civil disobedience and nonviolent resistance to segregation in the South. The peaceful protests he led throughout the American South were often met with violence, but King and his followers persisted, and the movement gained momentum. A powerful orator, King appealed to Christian American ideals and won growing support for the federal government and northern whites. In 1963, Bonnie Rustin and Philip Randolph led the massive march on Washington, D.C. for jobs and freedom. The event's grand finale was King's famous I Have a Dream speech. He actually had about, I think it was about six or seven minutes of planned remarks, and then he broke into this spontaneous I Have a Dream speech. 250,000 people gathered outside in the Lincoln Memorial to hear the stirring speech. In 1964, the Civil Rights Movement achieved two of its greatest successes, the ratification of the 24th Amendment, which abolished the poll tax, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 which prohibited racial discrimination in employment and education and outlawed racial segregation in public facilities. Later that year, King became the youngest person to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Another guy did it uh, at age 17 later in another year. In the late 1960s, King openly criticized U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War and turned his efforts to winning economic rights for the poor Americans. He was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee, on April the 4th, 1968, I believe it was the Hotel Lorraine is where he was assassinated. Still, rumors uh, and uh, conspiracy theorists wonder who was behind this. Maybe the CIA? Nobody knows. Anyhow, a great man, uh, and I encourage you to read the uh, letter from the Birmingham jail by Martin Luther King. It's long, but it is really an excellent, excellent uh, read. Martin Luther King, born on this day in 1929. 
Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 174 new cases of COVID-19 and three additional deaths in Collier County on Thursday. They died, of course, with, not of COVID-19. Maybe one or two did. I don't know. But Collier's moving seven-day average for new cases is at 198. And that's uh, up from 118 cases in December 1st. So clearly more cases are, are occurring. Wednesday, there were 123 patients in Collier County hospitals. That's up, but uh, nowhere near capacity in Collier County. Uh, Collier County was added to a growing list of public's vaccination sites that's proven effective to get the COVID-19 vaccine to folks 65 and older. Uh, and Ron DeSantis, again, doing whatever he can to help people get vaccinated if they want it. Appointments, if you're interested, are available at publix.com and then slash COVID hyphen vaccine. Publix.com if you want to get make an appointment to get vaccinated. By the way, Johnson & Johnson is on track to roll out its single-shot coronavirus vaccine in March and expects to have a clear data on how effective it is by the end of the month or early February. Uh, it also has the advantage of being a single-shot vaccine, which means it can protect more people faster and without the cold storage requirements of other vaccines. That's coming up in March if you're not in a hurry to get vaccinated. Well, John Earl Sullivan, who is a supporter of Antifa, BLM, and the uh, Black Lives Matter, and the leader of Insurgents USA, is a, was arrested and indicted in Utah his arrest came after he was caught on video instigating violence on Capitol Hill and admitting that he posed as a Trump supporter during the demonstration on January the 6th. I think you're going to find out more and more this stuff is going to come out. It just To me, it just doesn't make sense that Trump supporters would actually in some way break into the Capitol. I think we're going to find out that a lot of folks, this is kind of instigated by folks like John Earl Sullivan. He said, I'm going to wear a Trump hat. I'm going to wear a Trump hat. He said, I bought one today. I'm wearing it. At uh, Trump had at the last rally during uh, during the daytime, resurfaced videos filmed by Sullivan himself showed that he had an active participant in clashes at the U.S. Capitol. The far left activist even broke a window during the protest and admits it's not the first time he's posed as someone else. He was arrested in Provo, Utah, faces several charges including civil disorder, violent entry, or disorderly conduct. He was previously arrested on July 13th for rioting and criminal mischief. <laughs> it's not a very nice dude, actually. But nevertheless, I'm sure he's one of the leaders that, that instigated this thing. And by the way, Roger Stone's wife was attacked by a leftist goon while walking her dog in her neighborhood on Thursday. Uh, Nadia Stone was attacked so viciously that she was hospitalized and required surgery. So again, uh, right now they're accusing Trump of... Uh, violence and so forth, leading violence and in, uh, insurrection. But it's actually the left that per perpetrates most of this violence uh, on, other, on other folks. A, a source of concern, I think this will be our biggest concern going forward, but the U.S. government posted a December budget deficit of $144 billion, a record for the month due to far, uh, far higher outlies, outlays with coronavirus relief spending. And unemployment benefits, while revenues take slightly higher, the Department, the Treasury Department said on Wednesday, the Treasury said that the December deficit compares with a $13 billion deficit in 2019 before the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So about from 13 to 144 billion, that's a lot of tamales. Re receipts for the month rose by 3% from year earlier, 
346 billion. Now, mind you, this is with the tax reduction that was put in place. Receipts are higher, of course, when the economy gets going and there's more money made by everyone, including corporations. Well, there's going to be re more revenue. Uh, the problem, of course, is spending. We spend way too much. Uh, the cumulative deficit for the first three months of fiscal 2021, which started on October 1st, is $573 billion, up from $357 billion in the pre-pandemic year earlier period. So uh, well, nobody's focusing on it right now, but it's going to be the big deal, when, interest, especially if interest rates go up a little bit. It's going to take most of our money just to pay, and tax receipts just to pay the interest. Well, the big news, a Democrat Marxist plan to steal elections like they did in 2020 depends on mail-in voting schemes. It's well documented that the Democrats always do better with mail-in voting. It's much easier to cheat that way. On Wednesday, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled against universal vote by mail in Texas. This is good news for America. And Texas, in the rule of law, the Supreme Court rejected a Democrat bid to force universal vote-by-mail in Texas, leaving intact the current state law. That's good news. Well, as I'm sure you're well aware, Facebook and Twitter crossed the Rubicon by finally banning Trump, uh, President Donald Trump, sparking a mass exodus of conservatives from their platforms. As it turns out, this move likely also cost them financially to the tune of billions of dollars. This week, Facebook and Twitter collectively lost $51.2 billion in market value. Facebook's stock uh, value dropped $47.6 billion, while Twitter's dropped $3.5 billion. Both Facebook and Twitter lost value on Monday and Tuesday, while Twitter regained some of its value on Wednesday. So there's going to be a consequence, and a lot of people are leaving these uh, media outlets, uh, media sites, as well we should. Social media app Parler may never resurface after being exiled from various service providers, including Google and Amazon. Parler is now suing Amazon in court. Judge Barbara Rothstein is set to make a decision, quote-unquote, soon, following the uh, conclusion of the first hearing in Parler's litigation against Amazon. So Parler is, uh, in the, uh, say, is saying that Amazon suspended the alternative social media platform over the weekend for failure to moderate egregious content. Now, if you check out Facebook and Twitter, talk about egregious content. There's so much junk on there. Well, anyhow, uh, it led to them being exited from the uh, Amazon, which is a huge cloud server. Uh, Parler alleges the suit that the company's decision to, is motivated by political animus and claimed that the mo move was both a breach of contract and antitrust violation. Well, let's see what happens with this because uh, I hope they get back on line, but uh, we're going to have to start responding to this, and we should have some sort of a concerted effort on how we're going to, as Martin Luther King suggested, peaceful uh, protest civil disobedience against big media and big tech. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sarah Kozak. She's the acting development director at the Community Pregnancy Clinics. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. I didn't get that. Could you try again? I didn't get that. Could you try again? Quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And now Love Letters is playing. It's a terrific play, and I hope you get uh, tickets by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Ian Vasquez from the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about the Human Freedom Index. Right now we have with us Sarah Kozak. She's the Acting Development Director at the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, thank you, Sarah. So uh, uh, tell our listeners who may not be familiar with the uh, Community Pregnancy Clinics, what it's all about. What do they do? Absolutely. So we have seven locations all throughout Southwest Florida. We have five brick-and-mortar clinics, two mobile medical clinics. And what we do is we are the middleman of just really helping women who are in crisis pregnancies or in difficult relationships. Um, we hear a lot in society today about pregnancy just being something that should be gotten rid of, and we believe that um, women should be given the tools that they need to make accurate, informed decisions about their health and human sexuality. Um, so we provide free and confidential services from pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, STI screening, we also offer material assistance to mothers and babies all the way up until the time that the child is three years old. And that includes diapers, wipes, clothing, anything she might need um, to help support her child. We have a fully certified medical staff that provides all of these services. 
Um, and just really sitting down one-on-one -on -one with the women to hear their stories and where they come from. And if they have concerns about their pregnancy, if they're in a different um, relationship, we can sit down and offer them the help that they need and mm. provide them referrals to places all throughout the community where they can go for additional help. Yeah, Sarah, just an outstanding organization. I've uh, been to the uh, life-saving uh, events. Every year there's one, and this year uh, we've got a terrific guest coming uh, for Tom uh, Tim Tebow is going to be uh, speaking, and uh, um, Linda and I already have tickets. We're really looking forward to it. Maybe you can tell us about it. Absolutely. So on February 27th at the Hyatt Regency in Bonita Springs, we're going to be having, like you said, Tim, Tim Tebow as our keynote speaker. We're very excited. Um, he's a University of Florida grad, and we recently opened a clinic right across from campus in Gainesville, Florida. And um, as a staunch pro-life advocate, we're excited for him to just share about what we do with our donors and hear about his backstory as to why he feels so strongly about this cause as well. Um, so our we have two levels. We have the VIP level, um, which starts from anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 donations. And then we also have our lifesaver level, which is 720. And the reason we have the 720 level is because that is the cost of what it takes to save a baby in one of our clinics, all the way from the time the woman walks through the door receiving the pregnancy test, the ultrasound, the medical services, um, the amount of all the services provided, if she were paying for it, would be 720 But like I said, all of our services are free. Um, so that number, if given by a donor, is used to save the life of a precious baby. And so that level will get you two general admission tickets into our event. Um, that main reception starts at 5.30 p.m., and mm -hmm. then Tim is going to be speaking at 6.50. And um, so we still have space. If anyone is interested in attending, we would love to have you join. Yeah, it's communityforlife.com is the website. You can go to community and then the number four, life, all one word, communityforlife.com uh, to get tickets. As I mentioned, just the work that you've been doing for years, by the way, is very inspiring. I can't think mm -hmm. of a, a more lonely situation for uh, a woman who's uh, has an unwanted pregnancy didn't she didn't want that to happen so uh, you know usually the first thing to do is to go off to Planned Parenthood well mm -hmm. uh, you know there are all alternatives and what I really appreciate about your work is you simply provide service and information you don't pressure the woman in one way or the other mm -hmm. and uh, the the interesting thing is just going to these going to the the lifesaver event. Each year, we've met and seen families that actually that are together, see the baby. I mean, it's just remarkable. Mm -hmm. It's it's the, the work that you do to save lives. Absolutely, yeah. And we've been around since 1974. We were one of the original 13 crisis pregnancy clinics in Florida, and since that time, we've saved well over 18,000 babies from abortion. Um, and just putting that in perspective, just 18,000 lives who are here on this earth and. These are people's children. These are people's parents now, people's spouses, yeah. and they wouldn't be here if it weren't for the work that we were doing. So we're very proud of that, and we're so excited for all the people who are joining this cause. I think now more than ever, people are just seeing how important this work is. Yeah, um, and so we love the Lifesaver event to just be able to celebrate every single life that that has been saved because of our clinics. Absolutely, and I, I know that you're being very proactive, too, aside from just providing counsel. Uh, after the pregnancy, you're helping young people with, through uh, meetings up in Tallahassee or uh, Gainesville and other places, uh, helping young people understand the importance of uh, uh, 
practicing safe sex or have never, you know, doing doing something to make sure that they don't have something an unwanted pregnancy. Absolutely. There's so much that needs to happen on the education end. Unfortunately, in our universities, a lot of time our students are told um, that they can just do whatever they want with their body and that there's no repercussions to um, just the hookup culture that we're experiencing. And I think if you talk to any college student, which we do have the privilege of sitting down in one-on-one settings with them, our nurses just sitting and having these um, very intimate conversations, and you just learn that they're hurting and you learn how broken they are because of just the hookup culture that they're immersed in. Mm -hmm. And so we always just share with them the beauty of waiting for marriage, the beauty of being in a committed, faithful relationship, um, because there are so many repercussions that um, come from just having multiple partners that no one speaks about. And so we're trying to do as much as we can on the education end um, so that our, so that these young people don't end up in the clinic. But obviously, if they are in a situation where they find themselves in a difficult pregnancy, we have an incredible model to help with that. Yeah. By the way, I see, uh, know that uh, Sarah is a graduate of Ava Maria University in uh, 2018. And Sir, first as a medical intern and helping uh, with pregnancies, and now as the acting development director, Sarah. So congratulations on the work that you've done. Thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So again, uh, Community for Life, communityforlife.com is the website. Again, the Community Pregnancy Clinic's terrific organization doing life-saving work. I hope you'll uh, join us on February the 27th for this terrific event featuring uh, Tim Tebow. Sarah, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Ian Vesquez, co-author of the Human Freedom Index. Look forward to learn all about that. That covers uh, globally, so we can find out uh, how we're doing with regard to human freedom here in the United States and around the world. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, 
it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, I want to do a little shout-out to Lula B's Diner, doing a great job for breakfast or lunch. You can visit them in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Lula B's Diner for breakfast or lunch. Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Victoria Nastasi. He's with the Reason Foundation. We'll be talking about the improving uh, market-based reforms for nursing homes. Right now we have with us Ian Vasquez. He is with the Cato Institute and the co-author of a terrific uh, uh, Human Freedom Index. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure indeed. So the Human Freedom Index, uh, maybe you could tell us about what it is and, uh, and how it works. Well, the Human Freedom Index is the, the first uh, measurement that there is of economic, civil, and uh, personal freedoms around the world for uh, uh, 162 countries for a period of a uh, little over 10 years in which we take a look at 76 distinct indicators of, of those uh, freedoms to get a sense of the level of global freedom and the level of freedom uh, within countries in a broad uh, range of indicators. Yeah, it sounds good. So, well, without getting too much on the weeds, some, what are some of the major uh, key indicators or metrics that you take a look at? Well, we take a look at things like uh, the rule of law, uh, safety and security, uh, how uh, safe are you if you're uh, liable to get killed in a, in a country or disappeared by your government, that kind of thing. Freedom of religion, freedom of movement, freedom of expression. Freedom to trade, there's a lot of economic freedoms in there that we consider basic uh, rights, basic freedoms, uh, like uh, um, access to sound money. Uh, if you don't have sound money, uh, you don't have that much freedom in that area, how much regulation there is in the economy, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those are things that affect your your freedom in that area as well. Right, private private property rights, I'm sure. Just the things That's that right. allow us to live uh, securely and without worry about uh, government intervention in our lives and allowing us to be free. Uh, the you know, obvious question that we all want to wa- wa- talk about and, and find out about are who are, the, who are the best countries in terms of human freedom and uh, who are the worst? Well, <clears throat> when we put this data together, uh, what we do is we create a ranking with ratings for each country, and at the top of the list is New Zealand, number one, and Switzerland, number two. Wow. Number three uh, is Hong Kong, but keep in mind that since this is an international uh, index with data that's comparable across countries, we use data uh, in our latest index from 2018, so it mm-hmm. does not reflect <laughs> the, the events that have happened uh, in 2019, 2020, which definitely will be pushing Hong Kong's freedom down. Number four is Denmark, followed by Australia. So 
those are the top five uh, countries. And at the bottom of the list, it won't be any surprise to see countries like Syria, Sudan, Venezuela, Yemen, uh, Iran, and Egypt. So, uh, you know, conspicuously different, uh, absent from the top list is the United States of America. How are we doing? The United States ranks uh, 17th in our index, uh, tied in that place with the United Kingdom, uh, by the way. Uh, so uh, that is probably much lower than a lot of Americans uh, would expect or would right. like or traditionally view themselves uh, as in terms of freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that based on our measurement, and which I think is a reasonable measurement of, of freedom, we can say that the United States is the bulwark of, of liberty that uh, we have traditionally been uh, saying, and that it is oftentimes viewed as around the world anymore. Right, and this is not an absolute measurement. It's a relative measurement. So you're ranking according to, you know, from first to last. Uh, and so uh, when you take a look at the United States of America, what are some of the things that uh, we, we're doing very well to support human freedom, and what are the things where we can improve? Well, <clears throat> uh, traditionally we've been doing very well uh, on, on economic freedom, but there was a there has been a, a sort of a long-term decline in economic freedom since about the year 2000 uh, for the United States. Mm -hmm. And in our economic freedom measures, uh, we go back to 1970, actually, because that's the data that, that exists. And you can see that the United States has always been nearly at the top of, of the rankings, third place, fourth place at, at the worst. And then there uh, began a, a sort of a long-term decline uh, that accelerated uh, with the financial crisis under Obama, but then began to recover at the end of the Obama years as, as the big spending started to come uh, to, to an end, or at least diminish. Uh, <clears throat> it accelerated a, a, a little bit more, the increase in, in economic freedom at the beginning of the Trump administration, and then uh, we see a, a fall again. So um, <clears throat> we're, we're not doing horribly in economic uh, freedom, but we're not doing nearly as well as we used to do, uh, say, 20 years ago. And so um, that's, uh, that's something that uh, uh, we hope to see improvements on, but yeah. it's certainly not guaranteed uh, given the politics and the situation in the United States. And in personal freedom, um, again, uh, we see uh, a drop as of late. I would say that uh, <clears throat> I would say that uh, the rule of law. Both uh, we have a rule of law measure and economic freedom, measuring things like contract and security of property rights and so on, mm -hmm. and uh, rule of law issues related to other personal uh, freedoms. That those areas uh, are weak compared to other rich and free uh, mm -hmm. countries. And so I would say that that's an area that, 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 that is of concern. I think that uh, what has contributed to that has been, over the years, things like uh, the war on terror, the war on drugs, mm -hmm. uh, violations of, of privacy, uh, arbitrary rule from, from the government. I think that the response uh, from uh, the federal government to the financial crisis uh, ha was viewed as arbitrary by many people mm -hmm. with 
um, some corporations and some industries being favored in, in bailouts, some not. There looks to be a sort of chronic capitalism, and that's the kind of thing uh, that we see being reflected in that indicator of a weaker rule of law, weaker property rights. Right. As we know, some 10 or more years ago, there was that Supreme Court ruling that uh, really weakened uh, private property rights in the sense that uh, it allowed for public takings if uh, the local or the government decides it's in the in the public interest uh, with an interpretation that went way beyond what was uh, absolutely the case. It's so interesting, and I, I think your report uh, that you've co-authored here is extremely important, and we need to pay attention to it. My sense is that we're right now we're going through a general decline of our of our freedom here in the United States in terms of, uh, for example, what's happened with the suppression of free speech, um, private property rights. Uh, you know, I, I'm concerned about the amount of debt that we've taken on. And, and speaking of which, uh, does that have any impact, do you think, in the country's debt on uh, human freedom? Uh, I think it does, uh, and uh, we, you know, we try to to get at it uh, through some of our measures on the economic uh, freedom index, because it's an implication uh, of how much in the way of taxes eventually yeah. uh, we will have to pay. Yeah, just such interesting information, and the, the, the uh, report is available on Cato.org, Cato, C-A-T-O.org, terrific organization, by the way. Ian, I think you've done great work with this, and I just genuinely appreciate, and by the way, just before I let you go, is there another way, or what's the, the easiest way to, to access the report? The easiest way to access the report, which, which we co-publish with the Fraser Institute, is, is on our website at the Cato Institute. So just go to Cato.org, and you can type in the Human Freedom Index, or you will see a tab uh, for it. Yeah. You can also just Google Human Freedom Index, and it'll take you right there. All right. Well, we got to move up from 17th to the 1st, and I just generally appreciate the information here, Ian. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Victoria Nastasi. I've not met Victoria. Uh, we're going to be talking. He's with the Reason Foundation, but they, he worked with uh, JMI to produce a report about market-based reforms needed to improve nursing home care. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. 
You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now, we have with us Vittoria Nastasi. He is uh, with the Reason Foundation. Vittoria, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you, Vittoria. Tell us about the Reason Foundation. What's it all about? Uh, the Reason Foundation is a nonprofit uh, libertarian think tank. So we produce uh, policy studies on uh, sort of free market policies advancing free minds and free markets and we also uh, published the reason magazine which is a libertarian magazine yeah terrific organization and uh, you've co-authored uh, a report for the james madison institute which by the way is a terrific organization uh, really do a think tank here uh, and libertarian think tank here in florida uh, you've developed a report for market-based reform to improve nursing home care I mean, 43% of the people that have died with COVID-19 uh, here in Florida have, have been in nursing homes or in long-term care facilities. So maybe you could tell us about the problem and also the solution. Yes, yeah, so there are really staggering numbers um, from from cr- the coronavirus pandemic in terms of long-term care facility residents. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, while obviously the elderly are the most vulnerable, this is also highlighting long standing problems in the nursing home industry. Uh, it's no secret that there are problems of quality. And so the report tries to outline what some of the problems are and, and maybe some solutions. Uh, and really to begin with, uh, there's really a lack of competition, but there is an abundance of regulation. And what we've seen is there are real limits to what regulation is able to accomplish ultimately because at the end of the day, regulation sets a minimum standard of care, but it, it does not really provide incentives to go beyond whatever the minimum standard set by regulation is. Uh, and so, you know, the, the argument of the policy brief is that increasing competition would provide some incentive to nursing home providers to go beyond the minimum standards. Yeah, I think I saw in the report the concerns about certificates of need, uh, which really, I think, prevent... Maybe I've misread that, but I think prevent uh, competition. What are some of the problems? Maybe maybe that is one of the problems. What what are some of the problems of the regulations that are getting in the way of uh, of competition? Yes. Yeah, so, certificate of need is a a healthcare regulation that applies to lots of different types of healthcare facilities, um, and basically it means that a healthcare provider has to get permission from the government before they can build a new facility or expand services, uh, or even uh, put new hospital beds in a hospital. 
Uh, and Florida has done away with most of its certificate of need laws, and a lot of states have engaged in certificate of need reform. But Florida, despite having uh, repealed significant portions of our, our con laws, uh, maintains them for nursing homes. Mm. And basically what that means is if all of the existing nursing homes aren't nearing full capacity, then uh, providers aren't able to build additional facilities. And so the existing providers are guaranteed a customer base, uh, and there's not really effective competition in the market. Yeah, if I understand certificates of need also that, uh, in fact, competitors can actually voice uh, opposition to a new nursing home, for example, which really reduces competition. That's often the case in states. Um, Florida's uh, nursing home certificate of need program uh, has actually a, a numeric formula uh, that uh, basically has the goal of accomplishing a 92% occupancy rate ah. in nursing homes. Um, and so depending, there, there is the option for, for competitors to object. But, um, you know, one benefit, I, I suppose, of Florida's CON program is that it is largely formula-based, but, ah. um, you know, that in itself also has a lot of negative yeah. impacts. Well, thank you for that clarification, uh, Victoria. So uh, tell us, what could we do here in Florida in order to improve uh, not only competition, but also the care of people in nursing homes? Um, so, you know, I'd say begin with repealing nursing home certificate of need laws. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you look at states that don't have nursing home certificate of need laws, uh, Medicaid expenditures on nursing home care um, are either comparable or lower. Uh, and also, you tend to see smaller facilities, and smaller facilities are associated with um, better care. Uh, likewise, a, a recent study published uh, in November of last year actually found that certificate of need laws were associated with worse uh, outcomes in nursing homes across uh, making comparisons across states, um, as well as higher occupancy rates actually had a negative impact on, on quality. Um, so that's, that's one thing that we can do. It would increase competition, uh, which would incentivize providers to improve quality, and, and the evidence bears that out. Yeah. Um, and then the other portion of the study really focuses on uh, innovative types of nursing homes. Uh, there's a new movement in the nursing home industry to uh, make facilities more home-like and smaller in scale. Mm -hmm. But one of the problems is that regulation can often, because it is so prescriptive uh, in the industry, prevent more innovative models of care. Um, and it really is geared toward providing a more institutionalized uh, uh, form of nursing home yeah. care. And so uh, making sure that there's adequate flexibility so that providers can individualize the care to each patient's needs um, and, and also you know, engage in some of the more innovative uh, uh, developments. Yeah, so what impact does Medicaid have on what percentage of uh, nursing home uh, patients are, 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 in, coming, are uh, paid by Medicaid? Um, in Florida, about 60% of nursing home residents uh, are, are paid for by Medicaid, 16% mm -hmm. um, by Medicare, and 24% are private payers. So uh, what impact does that have on the quality of care? Well, you know, there, there is a problem uh, of because Medicaid uh, has variable rates of, of reimbursement across states, 
uh, lower Medicaid reimbursements really does present a challenge to nursing home care providers. Yeah. Um, especially when you think about it in the context of all of the regulatory requirements for providers, where it can actually be quite expensive and cumbersome to comply with a lot of the regulations. And so that's that's sort of another point that we make of, you know, it, increasing competition is a, a possible reform that could allow you to improve uh, quality without layering on additional regulations which are just going to add to the costs because it would become more expensive for providers to yeah. uh, provide care. And so unless you increased uh, Medicaid reimbursements, you you likely wouldn't see the, the regulations having the desired effect. And so, uh, you know, th that's one of the problems is that because the industry is so dominated both by regulation and by um, government issued payments, uh, you just don't really have an effective um, price system and policies don't always have their intended yeah. effects without the necessary uh, uh, reimbursement increases. Yeah, I'm so, so grateful that you've come on the show to talk about this because, you know, unfortunately, as a country, what we do is a, as opposed to having our great-grandparents living with us through the end of their life, we end up, uh, a lot of these folks just end up in nursing homes. And instead of, uh, you know, working to meet minimum requirements, we need nursing homes to start to aspire to provide the best quality care. And as you're pointing out, that can be done through good competition, getting rid of unnecessary regulations and creating a, a, an environment for a competition. Did I get that right? I think so. And, and you know, just one more point to your comment that, uh, the home health industry, which does allow people to stay at home, is a it's a growing and, and thriving industry. And so, mm -hmm. um, increasingly, we're saying the elder that do end up in nursing homes are those that truly do need a higher level of care, mm -hmm. uh, or whose families are unable to provide the care because people are working, or or because their needs are are too great for family to be able to provide. Yeah. So this is about focusing on really trying to improve uh, the quality of care for those who need it most. I appreciate that clarification. Again, Victoria Nastasi, he is with the Reason Foundation, and his report uh, for JMI, for the James Madison Institute, is about market-based reform to improve nursing home care. Where can we find the report, uh, uh, Victoria? Uh, you can find the full report at uh, jamesmadison.org, or you can find my summary uh, at reason.org. Reason.org. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. All right, thank you. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He wrote a book about the travails of dealing with union bosses over the course of two and a half years. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC 
goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Uh, we have with us Dave Beagle, as I mentioned before the break. He wrote a book called The Devil at Our Doorstep about the travails of dealing with union bosses and their dirty tricks. They're from SEIU over the course of two and a half years. Dave prevailed. He won. Uh, but uh, it, you, just, you read the book, The Devil at Our Doorstep. You just can't make this stuff. It's just unbelievable the dirty tricks those folk played, folks played. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Bob, and Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Thank you to you as well, Dave. And uh, right now we're on the eve of a Biden uh, uh, confirmation or nomination or whatever. <laughs> I've forgotten the word now. but uh, <laughs> Inauguration. In- inauguration. <laughs> Thank you for that. I guess it's going to be virtual. They've got, I think, every law enforcement officer in the world <laughs> in Washington, D.C. right now. Anyhow, what are your thoughts? Well, you know... Um, I hope the inauguration is peaceful in that. I don't want to see more terrorism or stuff like that. Um, and honestly, I think the terrorism on uh, January 6th, I don't think that was the uh, conservative people, Republicans in that, or Trump pushing it. I think behind the scenes, Antifa and Black Lives Matters and some of the other um, wild groups uh, behind even what happened during this past election were the ones that did all that and uh, i've seen a few articles on that say that they actually were yeah and you know and i'm so happy you you brought that up because uh we did report this general sullivan earlier in, in the show has uh, was at there and, and confessed that he had broken a window on one of his videos but the point is i think there was a uh, an orchestrated attempt by black lives matter by antifa um, and maybe others to to uh, actually orchestrate this entire thing at the uh, at the Capitol, and I, you know, and and of course, what does Congress do? They rush to judgment and impeach President Donald Trump. But I think they're going to find out once all the information is in, he didn't have anything to do with it. Well, I think so too. And I like I said, I've already seen articles on it that it was. And one Antifa guy said, "Yeah, I was there, and I I brought in a lot of people and did these things." And mm-hmm. uh, this stuff's going to come to light. The media, the problem is, Bob, the media is controlled by the unions, and they just won't let this stuff out. And um, the other bad thing about uh, Biden being elected president and being inaugurated here is that um, he is going to really let the unions control him and take things over, and, of course, Obama, too. And um, just to give you an idea from the union standpoint, Biden is choosing a Boston mayor, uh, Walsh, as a labor secretary, and this guy was um, actually involved in corruption practices with the unions years ago. And um, they're already talking about, uh, you know, uh, passing the PRO Act, which would give unions more power. But unions, unionization through card check 
which is what they had to do to us and our company and our employees and um, increase legal and financial security for unions, have a pro-labor board, reversal of recent president set, precedent setting NLRB decisions by Trump and, and his administration. And this just goes on and on. And what scares me about this, to be honest with you, is that uh, they take control of this country and they bring it down. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm so happy you brought that up. And uh, one of the things that uh, Biden uh, is uh, suggesting or promoting a $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package, which, by the way, includes, uh, along with $1,600 or $1,400 additional money to, to uh, people who are earn under a certain threshold of income, point is, is a $15 a, uh, an hour minimum wage uh, for in a, in the United States, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, um, the, the problem is is that uh, they they're making those things uh, comments. You know, we're going to give you more money in that because they're just trying to brainwash them and get them on their side and the fifteen dollars an hour. But you know, you know, I want people to make more money too. But we got to do it through our free market capitalistic society, just not by having the government give make them get it right because um, we already have so many uh, small businesses and even other bigger businesses out of business because of this pandemic right and doing these type of things is going to make it worse and i think they're they're going to just really destroy the company country if they do things like this and um well you know if i might interrupt again with the unions behind the scene they want to bring it down i believe and i've said this Many times on your show, bring us down, turn us into a communist, socialist country without God in it. And, and this is one other thing i got to tell you. Um, I got an article from a priest in South Carolina, a Catholic priest, um, who in a homily, and I watched his homily on a video. Um, and uh, he's, he said the upcoming Biden years are going to be dark. And we are in for it, folks. And he basically goes through the whole thing, the things I've talked about, and... Um, and says that uh, he's going to bring down this country and uh, um, we could lose God and stuff like that and people are going to be poor. And, you know, these are all things I've talked about because they want to turn us into a socialist, communist country and people will be poor. Yeah. Well, uh, back to the $15 an hour minimum wage, I think that what that does, it's a prescription for eliminating jobs for young people getting their first job. I mean, uh, employers have, you know, they f- their first and foremost obligation is to make a profit so they can stay in business. And if you've just increased uh, minimum wage, uh, that means there are a certain number of people you just can't hire in order to, uh, to uh, make your business grow or make your business uh, even meet ends so uh that okay that's just one thing back up also talk, tell us about card check what's that all about well card check and that's what the union tried to do to us we had to sign an agreement called a neutrality agreement that uh would allow them to force unionize our people by signing uh union cards and they get 50 percent plus one signed and they're automatically union and to facilitate that and make it happen we'd have to give a list of all our employees and their home addresses so they could go to the homes and intimidate until they signed the cards. And once they got 50% plus one, they're automatically union. And uh, so this gave uh, employees no chance to make their decision through a secret ballot election. Yeah, and that's what you, you basically said. If you want to unionize our shop, you're going to have to do it through secret ballot. So there's no intimidation. There's no pressure involved in the process. SEIU refused to do that, right? That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, they got they got a lot of the major companies across the country to sign that neutrality agreement but i wouldn't sign it and that's when they said they were going to attack me and they did 
You know, they use politicians against me, clergy people, little kids in our neighborhood in Halloween, OSHA complaints, unfair labor practices, rallies in all the major streets across the Midwest against us. I mean, you know, they attacked our customers and intimidated our employees, and but we got them. Yeah, so, and congratulations to you, and I, I will underscore the fact that The uh, Devil at Our Doorstep is a great read. And I think it's really a prescription for what we're going to see for uh, activity under our Biden administration for the next four years. I mean, they clearly want to unionize every possible employee they can find. That's That would be what they want to do in order to increase the union dues. Why? Well, of course, uh, a good percentage of those union dues go right back to the Democrat Party. That's exactly right. And, uh, and uh, the Democrat and the unions uh, contribute the most money to the Democratic Party uh, winning this past election. And uh, all the things you saw going on across America, the riots in the streets and and uh, going after people. And, you know, and they they smeared me in the press and on on TV and stuff like that, too. All things they did to uh, Trump and other Republicans and that this is all being um, controlled and uh, pushed by the unions. Orchestrated indeed. I mean, we're see- what we're seeing right now is all of a sudden, uh, people in Congress and on the left are law and order abiding people. <laughs> After watching these fires and mainly peaceful protests with fires going on, people being killed, uh, property billions of dollars of property being destroyed, uh, the hypocrisy in this whole thing is just unbelievable. And uh, get ready for the reset. I think what they also want is instead of making America great again. What they want to do is to do a reset and have us be part of a global community and reduce the importance of the United States of America. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, and if you really look at their uh, agenda and everything they do, it'll, be a, it'll turn the United States into a country like Venezuela's become. Because, you know, Venezuela at one time was the most prosperous country in South America. Right. But when the communist socialists took over, it fell and everybody there is poor now. It didn't take long either. I mean, uh, I think at the turn of the century, you okay, Dave? <laughs> yeah, I just got a tickle in my throat. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Uh, at the turn of the century, Venezuela, uh, in the 19th century, I should say, or 20th century, was was really uh, an amazing power, economic power, and and socialism and communism destroyed the country in just an amazing period of time. So, well, they, and the reason is is because these people that run country. Uh, they don't know how to operate and be successful in a free market type of system. And uh, they just want to bring it down so they have the power and they can stuff the money in their pockets. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to figure out some way of resistance because I do want to make America great again. I think we're on the right right track, and I think we're going to go off track uh, with uh, the, the inauguration of Joe Biden. Uh, Dave, I want to just point out, the devil at our doorstep dot com the devil at our doorstep dot com is the website you can get the copy of the book there on my website at a nice discount or of course at any book book purveyor uh anywhere uh dave bigo the author of the devil at our doorstep dave thank you so much for joining us here on the show well thanks and by the way amazon has my paperback on sale for about seven dollars fifty cents there you go there's a nice buy there too thank you david well that's a wrap here in today's show i hope you enjoyed it i certainly didn't learned a lot that's one of the reasons I do the show. I like I like finding out new stuff and uh, getting reinforced in some of the things I believe and challenged by some of the things I, I believe as well. I hope you join us on Monday. We'll visit with uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, 
former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries. Jim will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobhardenathotmail.com, bobhardenathotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day and a great weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.